Welcome back to the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to make us part of your listening experience. We're starting an Out of the Vault series featuring sessions from the 2018 Pastors Conference that TCSC hosts every year. You're gonna hear messages from Jim Cimbala, who's written numerous books and pastors the famous Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, as well as from Pastor Gary Wilkerson and our very own Ron Brown. Today, we're jumping right into the sixth session from Pastor Gary Wilkerson. Listen in, be blessed, and thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. I want to ask you the question here this morning, and we'll launch off of that question as uh, the way of hoping the Holy Spirit would minister to us today. But uh, the question is, what if we really believed? Uh, what if we really, re I mean, really, really, what if we read something and really believed it? I bought a new Bible after that experience I had with the Holy Spirit in May about the baptism of love. I just felt an instruction to go buy a new Bible, and I bought it. And then as soon as I bought it, the Lord said, um, unlike all of your past Bibles, like where, I don't know about you, do you like to underline in your Bible, write in the margins? Maybe some of you do color coding and things like that, prophecies green or whatever. Uh, yeah. um, so I all my old Bibles are totally marked. And I was excited to have a fresh Bible to start marking in. And the Holy Spirit said clearly to me, don't underline anything unless you make a covenant to live it. Uh, and so I was like, so I have three verses underlined now in this past year. But, you know, just, I, I don't want to just... I'm tired of just hearing sermons about the Word and tired of reading books about the Word and doing word studies about the Word and studying the Hebrew about the Word and the Greek about the Word and the originals about the Word and not living the Word. I think this generation needs to see more people living the Word and maybe a little less talk, a little bit more Word lived out in our daily life. What if we really believed it? I think that we're not living it because we don't really believe it. We don't, we don't really believe it. We, we believe it up here. Intellectually, we give the assent to, yes, we believe that doctrine. As I was saying yesterday, we, we don't believe in the doctrine of cessation. We don't believe the gifts have ceased from yesterday, but yet we're living as if they had. It doesn't really matter whether we believe it or not. If we're not living it, our, our beliefs have no impact on our life or on the world. We have to begin to move in the realms that we believe. So look, 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 look at Luke 17. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 5 of Luke 17, um, a very well-known passage of Scripture. Uh, the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. What if we really believe? What if our faith was increased? <clears throat> what if our faith was increased to believe that the book of Acts is for us today and the miracles and the signs and wonders? What if we believe that um, through our ministry, hundreds if not thousands of people could be saved through personal testimony through our church services, through evangelistic type of meetings, through mercy type outreaches to the poor in our neighborhoods, to the rich in our neighborhoods, whatever it might be. What if we really believe that God could move in power in the Holy Spirit? And so the disciples of Jesus, they, they want to move in this power. They've seen Jesus operate in this. They've seen, uh, they, they, they were uh, men, there were women following Jesus just like us who, who have a passion for lost people who are, see hurting children and want to see the demonic uh, kids get set free from the, the, the powers of darkness, the people that were crippled, they want to see them walk. And so they see Jesus doing this and they want to have their faith increased. Don't you want to have your faith increased? Yeah. I, I, want to, I want to have faith increased. As I was saying to you yesterday, I, I, I'm sick of praying for people. And while I'm praying for them, there's this battle going on, this battle raging in my mind. It's like, this is going to work, this is not going to work. There's, and Jesus, the Bible says it's double-minded. Man's not going to receive anything. No wonder I have so few of my prayers for healing, uh, or for deliverance, for those things that we're talking about yesterday because of this. The battle is in my mind. Do I really believe? What if I really believe? So I want this. I want, I want to ask the same question that the disciples asked. Lord, would you please increase my faith? I want more faith. Pastor Jim was kind to talk about my dad a little bit today. Probably the thing that, um, that um, 
marked him the most of anything that I saw in his ministry was not his preaching, not his prophecy, not his prayer. All those things were amazing. I think it was his faith. He had an incredible amount of faith. He just believed that God loved to tackle impossible situations. He loved to run to where places where the world would say it's impossible to reach that person. Uh, gang members are too far gone. Drug addicts will never be reached. Uh, homosexuals are too hardened in their heart. Uh, the, uh, whatever it might be, it's like run to that area and have faith and believe, just totally believe that God is going to do the impossible, um, looking for the impossible. So, that, that, and so for us to be in that kind of place, we want to have our faith increased. And Jesus answers in verse 6, and the Lord answers, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you would say, or uh, some translations say you could say, other translations would say you would say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it would obey you. It would ob- it obey you. Um, <clears throat> there's something about the power of God released in our lives, our ministry, and our words that even though, as Pastor Jim so lovely, uh, powerfully communicated us today, it's through the Holy Spirit. It's nothing of ourselves. <clears throat> but the effect on the surroundings around us comes through us. He, he was saying this morning, we're the body of Christ, and so we, he needs to use his body. And so that body is, is here, here what it says, that tree or that experience or that person or that healing or that hardened heart or that drug addict or that gang member or that uh, person who's so wealthy, he's forgotten their need for the Lord, that, that there's, there's something inside of you, there's a faith released inside of you that they would obey you. That's powerful. Um, I was in, uh, in Poland uh, with Pastor Jim uh, late last year, I think it was, mid part of last year, and I, was, uh, I went downstairs, the restrooms were downstairs, came back up, and the Lord just gave me a, a word for the uh, waitress there that it was working for us, helping us, and I just felt like the Lord was telling me, told me to tell her, your heavenly father is not at all like your earthly father was to you. And she just went, how did you know? And I said, I was in the, I don't know why I told her that I was in the bathroom when God spoke to me, but I, said, I was in the bathroom and God told me to tell you, <laughs> tell her that. And, uh, and, and, and she just started tears to her, well, she goes, my father uh, left me when I was, I think she said six and I found out later he became a murderer, and he's in prison right now for murder. And I have hated my father, don't want anything to do with my father. I, hate, I don't even like the word father. And the Lord had me speak to her, your heavenly father is different than your earthly father. He loves you. And she just started crying, and she was like, really? God loves me? She goes, that's so good to hear. I'm so thrilled to hear that. And then I told her something I've never told anybody, I think, in my entire ministry, um, I started asking her about receiving salvation, and Jesus died on the cross and explained the gospel to her, and she wasn't quite ready to receive it, and I gave her a word of prophecy. I even told her, I said, this is called a prophecy. A prophecy is when a man of God tells you something that's going to happen in your future. She goes, wow, that's exciting, and I said, you're going to be saved, <laughs> and I said, and I believe it'll be within the next six months. You're going to have several people come to you, and, um, and they're going to tell you about the love of Jesus. Well, just as I'm saying that, Several people are going to come and tell you, I, I, the, the pastor's wife that was hosting us, they had stepped towards the front, and she came back, and, and I introduced her. This is local pastor's wife, and she says, oh, uh, you should come to our church. We're there to tell you about Jesus. I said, I said see, it's already starting. <laughs> There's more people, and they're going to, they're going to come back, and, and, you know, and so I really believe that. There's this sense of, of faith that... that um, there's, there's such a lack of confidence in so many of us. From, uh, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, I'm, I'm not a naturally confident person. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that, like, almost every sermon I preach, I, I walk back and I go, this, and I'm not looking for accolades. Please don't pat me on the back or try to encourage me. That's not what I'm looking for here by saying this. But almost every sermon I'm done, I'm like, that was lousy. And that was, ah, oh, I can't believe I said that, or I can't believe I went on about that point, or I can't, you know, I'm just very, you know, like, I'm not just naturally self-confident, but, but I'm getting this thing, I heard a guy talking about this thing called Godfidence, have you ever heard that? You know, having, I don't have a lot of confidence, but I've got a lot of Godfidence. I'm, I'm confident in God, who, who God is, and I'm getting, and I'm growing in that, so that, so, so I'm getting to the point where I believe it would obey you. That, that you're going to be saved, you're going to be healed, you're going to be delivered. You're, 
You're going to throw down those crutches. You're going to stand up and walk. You're not going to die of cancer. You're going to see your marriage stay, saved, not in my own self, but in a confidence that God is the one who's, who, who can speak through us, that, that your words do have power. Sometimes those of us who grew up in, in, in kind of a, like a Pentecostal holiness, we, and I hope I don't make enemies here today. Well, maybe I will. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, um, we, some of us who grew up in the Pentecostal holiness, you know, we, we took people who were in other streams or other uh, types of teachings, and, and we really beat them up, you know, so, and, 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 and this, this, this one that, that you know, and, and we were so against, I grew up so, you know, if it was like a, a word of faith or, uh, 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 you know, name it, claim it, kind of, and we had all these things, blab it and grab it, we, we kind of, which is not a nice thing to say to other members of the body of Christ, you know, you live of a blab it and grab, no, you know, it's like, be nice, it's, that would be a good thing for the church to be, is learn to be nice, and, and so, uh, but, but, so what I did is I threw the baby out with the bathwater, the pendulum swung to the other side, where it's like, don't talk about words, you know, just, just live it, and, and yet our words have power, the, 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 uh, talk, I, again, this is I'm the, I'm the least sort of word of faith kind of guy you probably know, but, but yet I'm starting to say, like, I need to be careful about my words. I, I can't wake up in the morning and say, like, I feel miserable, and this life is awful, and my kids stink, and <laughs> my grandkids are a pain in the butt. You know, it's like, I just can't, you know, I, I just can't, you know, I just I can't talk like that. I, I have to wake up and say, God... You know, put your words in my mouth. Put, put confidence in my mouth. Put godly speech so, so that I would say to things and they would be different. <clears throat> now listen to this. Did you notice when I was reading this passage of Scripture, Jesus didn't answer their question? He didn't say, what a great request. Absolutely, I will increase your faith. But neither did he say, no, you guys just, you know, I'm kind of frustrated. You're not even using the faith you have. I, I, no. You know, he didn't say yes and he didn't say no. What he said seems to indicate you've already got enough faith. You don't really need any more faith. If you realize the seed of God lives in you, the power of God abides in you, the, the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, the resurrection power that called Lazarus forth is, is the power that lives and moves and breathes inside of you, and Jesus is saying, if you would understand that I already put it in you, then you would. Oh, I like that part. And I did underline that in my Bible, would. You would say. If you, if you understood what I've done in you already, not waiting for something more or not fasting for 40 days, although that's good, or not, not you know, spending three years in, uh, you know, in a, in a stu word study to try to get more faith, uh, but just, just realize he's already given you faith. And, and then you, and what he's saying to his disciples, if you understood what I've done in you already, you would already start moving out and doing the things that I've called you to do. You would heal the sick. You would cleanse the lepers. You would raise the dead. You would cast out demons. You would preach the good news to the poor. You would, you would uh, make disciples everywhere you go. You would preach the gospel. You would receive power from on high. You, you would be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. You would, you, you, would, you, would, you, would, you would do it. You would do the stuff of the kingdom of God. And, and you would do it in such a way that the prayer that you're praying about getting the things done would become a reality. That's why I like the, 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 the great verbs in the Lord's Prayer as he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be. Next word is a powerhouse. Done. Done. So many of us are, don't pray believing things are done. We're like, oh, I hope one day, possibly. I was talking about that yesterday. When I was talking about healing. Maybe somebody might possibly get a little better. No, it's like, this should be done. It's, it's thy will be done. Healing is done. Your cancer is done. Your Parkinson's disease is done. Your arthritis is done. Your fear is done. Your marriage crisis is done. Your runaway child, that's done. It's finished. It's over. You're just... You're, you're, you're believing, you're, you're, you're meant to be that kind of powerhouse. You're meant to have that kind of authority. You're, you're meant to change things. You're meant to be part of God's kingdom of getting things done. It's done. I like that. You, you have a, a drug addict in your congregation, 
It's done. That, that addiction is done. It's finished. You're, you're, you're going to confront that power of darkness. You're going to crush the head of Satan in that arena. You're, you're going to see the miraculous take place. You're going to see things. Ministry is not meant to be like lived from Sunday to Sunday. You get done on Sunday afternoon with church and you start planning for next Sunday. No, 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 no. I love what Pastor Jim was saying today as he was praying for us about preparing for this Sunday in our church, preparing for your word, preparing for the songs, preparing for praying that your congregation would be uh, alive and grateful. You know what? And, I, and I've done that my whole life, but I am spending more, less time doing that now and more time praying. When I wake up on Monday morning and I go to 7-Eleven and I pump some gas there, I pray that... I meet somebody that I can get something done because that person at 7-Eleven, the checkout counter gal there, she's probably not going to come to my church. She doesn't believe in God. She doesn't want God, uh, but, but she's having some trouble with her boyfriend. And I can walk up to that girl, and, and, and I know this sounds weird, and I do this all the time, so like, hey, God's just telling me you're having some trouble with your boyfriend. And, and she goes, like, how do you know that? It's like, and so, you know, so does, she's like, do I look like I caused trouble or what? No, no this is God. And, and so, and this is, again, remember what I said yesterday, shy, introverted, without confidence. So I'm thinking, I'm going to say something that's going to be totally wrong, totally stupid, and they're going to kick me out of 7-Eleven. <laughs> but, but it works. I just, I read that verse after this baptism of love in me, and I just said, oh, okay, I don't need anything else. I don't need to, 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 to kind of learn more or go to a conference or a seminar or have somebody lay hands on me, although I want those things and I'll get more of it my whole life. But, but for this, to get it done, or get her done, as they say in the South, <laughs> to get her done, I just need to say, he already gave it to me. Now, I just have to start moving out in faith. I have faith. I have to start moving out in faith. If I have this faith, that's what Jesus is saying, you would start saying to that tree, move, move. You wouldn't say, would you please consider moving. I'm going to get my prayer team behind this, and one day we might start seeing some leaves start shaking in some wind. You know, no, the whole tree is going to move because I said it's going to move. Not because, not because of my confidence, but the confidence that God is the one who makes things move, and he speaks through me. He wants to speak through you. He wants to release power. The reason the world is in the condition that it's in is because the church is not moving in the power that it's meant to move in. There, there, things would change. Things would get done if we would begin to move in the power. You would say, you would say to that drug addict, be free, and that drug addict would be free. You would say to that sickness, be gone, and it would be gone. You would say to that darkness hovering over somebody's soul, be gone, be moved, be cast into the sea. You would say to a, a, a lost generation, be, be set free, and you would see uh, hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ and see the power of God. Now, this is what was taught the disciples by Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 1. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority to cast out, next word in New Living Translation says, all demons. Okay, not just some, but, but if you come across a demon, you would say, if you have faith, you would say to that demon, and, and it would go. Uh, Jesus Jesus never, um, he, he, he never, like, went, whoops, that, that, that prayer didn't work very well. Uh, it's like, demon, come out. I was in San Francisco one time, and, and I was praying for this guy, very flamboyant um, uh, lifestyle, kind of the homosexual, very f effeminate, and, and, and my friend and I, we laid hands on him and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And he said, come in and get me, big boy. And I was like, <laughs> Wow. Uh, uh, Jesus never had like, like the demon, the demons leave saying like, eh, not today. It's just they always listen to him. Sickness always listen to him. Uh, the demonic powers, darkness always listen to every, every word. It was all because of his perfect faith. He always said uh, he would say, and it would move. It would never not move. Now we're like the disciples, wanting more of that, to not just wanting more faith, but to act upon our faith, to live that we would say, and start risking a little bit, start worrying less about our reputation. I heard somebody say, uh, dignity is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever heard that? And, and, and we're so worried about our dignity. 
um, because we're so afraid, you know, what are people going to think of us or so afraid you're going to make a mistake. A lot of us don't do things, take risks in faith. My dad went to New York City. His own father said to him, you're, you're a fool. You shouldn't go to New York City. You're going you're, you're to make a fool of yourself. You've got a good job. You're a pastor uh, of a growing church. Why rock the boat? So he could have got, the fear could have took a hold of him and he could have not gone. Well, man, we wouldn't be here today. Teen Challenge with these, these guys that are walking around this campus here today would not be here today if it wasn't for somebody who believed, if I say to Nikki Cruz, be set free, he's going to be set free. If, if I say to Sonny Argonzoni, those drugs are going, they're going to go. And so we, we have that kind of authority. We have that, that kind of faith. So that's what he gave to the disciples. And, and, and so he modeled it. Now, he modeled it as a man, right? Christ, the man, Christ Jesus. He was fully God, yet he was fully man. So he modeled these things. I love the fact that he didn't just come without, uh, he didn't come just with divinity, but he came with humanity. Because if he came, just came with, you, with divinity and started doing these miracles, we'd go like, well, the divine guy's walking among, uh, you know, like, like the, you know, the old uh, Greek gods who come to earth. They come as gods and they do God type things. That's expected. But when he comes as a man and he says he empties himself and he, uh, and he becomes, uh, you know, like us, you know, fully like us. And then he starts doing these miracles. Well, it's all dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so he's modeling, saying, if I can depend on the Holy Spirit and say to this mountain, be moved, then I'm modeling it for you. And the authority that the Father gave me, the power of the Holy Spirit that's on me, and now I'm, I'm imparting that to you. I'm letting you receive the same things that I am receiving from the Father so that you can do the same works that I do. At one point, he says, even greater works than these shall you do through the same Holy Spirit, through the same dependency, through the same, then the faith that says, I'm not going to worry about my dignity. I'm not going to worry about what people think of me. And I'm not going to be afraid to make mistakes because I make a lot of mistakes. I make a, uh, two days ago, uh, I saw this young lady and I said to her, it's like, you know, I just believe God's telling me that you have a gift of, uh, uh, that you're hiding. It's a gift of music and arts and creativity. And she laughs. She goes, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And I'm like, okay, totally missed that one. <laughs> but you know what? I'd rather miss a few and, and, and get a few right than be afraid of missing a few and get nothing right and not, not touch anyone because I'm afraid I might make a mistake. And so, so I've missed a few, but, but God does not... And I know some of you are thinking, like, you know, if a prophet says the wrong word, kill him. That's the Old Testament. Jim said that yesterday. If, uh, t today, I've heard it said that, t that in the Old Testament, they judged the prophet by a false prophecy. In the New Testament, they judged the prophecy. And so, if, uh, so the, the prophets judge the prophets. Is that, is that word correct? And if that word's not correct, they don't kill him. If I say to this girl, hey, you, you know, you have the, an artistic gift, and she says, no, my wife doesn't stone me thankfully. For other things she wants to, but not for that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She doesn't. So, so he, gave them, he gave them power and authority. Um, why did he give them power and authority? Why not just one? one of them? I mean, I'll, I'll take one. Either one you want to give me, I'll take, I'll take power. And if you don't give me authority, I'll just take power. If you want to give me authority, not power, I'll, just, I'll take that. But he gives them power and authority. Power and authority. Power, here's how I describe it. Power is like a Mack truck that has like, I don't know how many gears they have. Anybody drive a truck? How many, you know, whatever. They get on that, that, that low gear and it's not going to be moved. And it's coming down the road and just there's nothing that's going to stop it. it. It can, you know, a Maserati is, is, is an amazing car, but it'll just knock it off the road. It has, nothing's going to stop that, that Mack truck. That's power. It's just, it's, it's, it's sheer force. It moves. But, but Jesus says, I'm going to give you that kind of power. It's going to move things. But I'm going to do one thing better. I'm going to give you authority. And, and now here's what I picture authority. A Mack truck is coming down the road, and, and it, nothing can stop. It has, it has ultimate power. And yet this little policeman gets out there, and he stands in the middle of the road, and he goes like this. And that truck crushes its brakes, stops from one little guy that weighs 150 pounds in the middle of the road because that policeman doesn't necessarily have power to stop the truck, but he has authority to stop the truck. And so first he gives you power to get things accomplished, but then he gives you authority to command things to come and go, to stop. And, and so you have power that can confront power, but when you're confronting a power that seems almost, that mountain's too powerful for you, 
That tree is too powerful to uproot and move. Then he says, okay, let's step up. I'll give you power and I'll give you authority. So the authority can, can, can speak things. That's what Jesus said in the passage we read in the 17th chapter. You would say, you would say, you would, you would, you would say, be freed. You would say, be healed. You would say, be delivered. You would say, be saved. You would say, come to Jesus. And they would do that. So, so they're, they're excited about this. Uh, then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I love that. To tell everyone, everywhere you go, every single day. Again, like I said yesterday, don't just limit it to a church service. Don't just limit it to a Bible study or a prayer meeting or a house group or a cell group. Tell everyone, everywhere you go. And you'll see it begin to spread. People will catch the vision that you have. You'll become an example to other people, and, and your congregation will see you telling the story. See, Jesus told, told stories, and the disciples, all these things are stories. A blind man got healed. A lame man jumped up and walked. All of these are stories to encourage us that Jesus has given us power and authority. And oftentimes in our churches, have you ever noticed this? Most of us pastors tell power and authority stories like this, like uh, 1983, I was on a missions trip, and uh, this blind guy, I prayed for him, and his eyes got better. Like, okay, that, what happened since 1983? I hope something, <laughs> right? A lot, I'm serious. A lot of my stories have been like, you know, I, I led a Muslim kid to Christ when I lived in Detroit back in, you know, 91 or whatever, you know, just old stuff. And, and, we, and we get a good story, that, that wows people, and we just tell that same story over, over and over again. One of the things besides the underlining in my Bible, the Lord has been telling me, uh, have a, like a 12-month cap on your stories. <laughs> you know, just tell stories from this year, because if not, it's not fresh, and, and it's like, am, am I not doing something in your life that, that shouldn't it be better this year than it was when you were 28 years old? Um, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't it be getting more powerful Shouldn't there be greater deliverances, greater victories, greater breakthroughs? It just—it should be that the the maturity that we get should not just be a maturity of knowledge, like you know more stuff. It should be a maturity of power, a maturity of authority, and so so we have both power and we have authority. In verse six, it says, "So they began their circuit of villages, preaching the good news and and healing the sick." Again, I don't mean to be so repetitive, but we seem to like put a period after preaching the good news in our churches and in our life and our ministry. They went about everywhere preaching the good news, period. But it says, and healing the sick. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's like I had a young man tell me two weeks ago, three, three weeks ago, maybe a little longer, said, um, you know, pray for me. Pray for my ministry. I prayed for him. He goes, yeah, I just, you know, I don't mind the healing, the sick thing, but, you know, the, the, the thing I really want is the greatest healing is when somebody's saved. I said, yeah, absolutely, but why are you putting, like, why are you putting healing down to get salvation? They're meant to be together, preaching and healing. Just that, that was just Jesus's life. It wasn't like, well, you know, healing's good, but, I, you know, it's really secondary. He never put it as secondary. He just said, it's all one thing. The sozo is the is the the word for salvation and for healing. It's all you know, Jesus sees things holistically. He wants your whole life changed, and he sees healing as an opportunity for you to open up your heart to more of Jesus. Um, right after that, he feeds the five thousand, and and here's an interesting test. He, um, Jesus says to them, uh, for, first of all, he they say, send them away, send the crowds away. Uh, so they can find food and lodging. Two two problems: there's no food, there's no lodging. The third problem is we're living in a re we're you're preaching in a remote place. So three major problems. How many of you don't say to the mountain move because you consider the problem bigger than the God who moves mountains? How many of us? How many of us? Pr our prayers are our worries, not our faith. We're not praying in faith. We're praying in fear. We're too far away. There's not enough. We don't have food here. Um, there's too many people here. We're in a remote place. There's no lodging for this many people. There's no hotel big enough. You know, just considering so many people don't do things because they're afraid of the conditions, the circumstances. Again, my dad not going to New York City would have been a more rational decision. 
He could have said, I am not a New Yorker. I don't know about gangs. I don't know about the drug culture. I'm a country preacher. He could have considered his circumstances and stopped. And many of us are not only considering our circumstances, but as I said, we're praying our circumstances. Some of us are even preaching our circumstances. We're preaching fear to our people. We're, we're, by, by our lack of moving out in faith, we are modeling a faithless life and therefore creating a faithless church, the only thing left for a faithless church is to hear sermons and sing songs and have a little bit of Christian fellow, a potluck dinner. But we're not changing the world. We're not saying to mountains be moved. We're not saying to drug addicts be set free. We're not saying to families be restored. We're not saying to sick people be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And so, they, but Jesus says, and, and um, in verse 13, Jesus says, you feed them. And then they continue, even after that, they have such a spirit of poverty that they, they can't do anything. We don't have enough. We're, it's, 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 we don't have sufficiency. We don't have supply. We don't have support. We don't have resources. We don't have enough. Our church isn't big enough. Our budget isn't big enough. Our, our choir isn't big enough. Our, you know, this is all kinds of type of things we say. <clears throat> but we have only, that's what he says, the, the disciples say next, but we have only five loaves and two fishes of bread, they answered. And, uh, and, they, and they said to Jesus, are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crowd? Um, <laughs> they weren't even, they, they were not only not expecting a miracle, they weren't even expecting practical ministry to take place. They, do you expect us to go to a store? Come on, Jesus. That's like, do you know how hard that's going to be to carry all that stuff back from the store? It's like they didn't even want to do the practical ministry, let alone see the supernatural ministry. Uh, I, love, I like the New Living Translation in verse 16. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up towards heaven, he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he, now here's a little bit of difference in maybe in some other translations, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. I like the, this picture. It's a little bit different than the picture I grew up in, like Sunday school, seeing like Jesus go poof, and there's bread and, and fish, and then the disciples come and pick it up and give it to everybody. It appears in this translation, I like it because he kept multiplying it. It's like, let's give a little bit out. Okay, they're eating that. Ooh, a little more. Let's give out a little bit more. Like, oh, it's more bread. Let's, he, just, he kept multiplying it. The more they used what they had, the more he gave to them. The, to whom was given little, you know, much more. To, the, the ones who receive what God's given to you, the ones who put into practice, the ones who begin to would say to the mountain, be moved, the ones who start saying to the mountain, move, are the ones who actually get more mountain-moving faith, more mountain-moving power, more mountain-moving authority. It's people who, who live under the excuses, I can't, God doesn't do that anymore, I'm not called to that, that's not my gift, I'm more of a this, I'm not so much of a that. The more excuses we have, the less God works through us. And so, but Jesus is teaching them, I'll keep giving you, as long as you keep giving out, I'll keep giving to you, I'll keep pouring it out on you. He keeps giving as much as we want. Unlimited sources of supply of every need is found in Jesus. Jesus consistently and constantly keeps giving, and he wants us to come to him, give. He gives of his spirit. He gives of his love. He gives of his power. He gives of his authority. He gives of his wisdom. He gives of words of knowledge. He gives of revelation. He just keeps giving, and the more you use things, the more he gives it. I've asked the Lord for, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 seems to say, like, he just, by his sovereign design, gives you gifts, and so I assume my gift is pastoring and teaching, and so I'll just, you know, I study, and I'm a theologian, and I like that. And then I read 1 Corinthians 14 this year after I had this baptism of love because in this baptism of love, I started seeing people need saved, and they need uh, healed, and they need delivered. So my, my gift of teaching is not always the exact one that sort of accomplishes that. You know, it's like when you're at 7-Eleven, you don't open, like, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to, you know, it just, you got to have something a little different. And so I was so grateful to read Corinthians 14, where it says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm, almost, I'm in my late 50s, and all of a sudden I just realized something. I can ask you, Father, for some new gifts. And I did. I said, if you're going to give me a baptism of love and I'm going to start sharing the gospel and praying for the sick, then it makes sense that I would have, number one, the gift of evangelism, number two, the gifts of healing, signs and wonders and miracles, and number three, words of knowledge, because I, I, I just want to penetrate people's kind of hardness of heart or exterior just kind of break through with like getting a surprise word from God and and so I asked for those three gifts and I was like and I hate to say this because of the little faith that I had but he actually gave me those gifts 
and, and, and I find myself like operating in a whole new set of gifts. And it's just like, and that's why I said yesterday, it's so fun. It's like I've been pastoring teaching for 40 years. It gets a little old. I'm sorry, did that sound rude? It's just like, you know, like Monday morning, getting up and starting preparing for Sunday talk again was getting old to me. I wanted Monday to be valuable and like soul saved and drug addicts set free and, and, and people's lives changed and people healed in the malls and in the shops and in the grocery stores. I wanted to see like 24-7 every day, everywhere I go, everyone I meet, I just want, I want to, and, I, and I'm asking God, I used to ask God for numbers like, Lord, you know, increase our church from 1,000 to 1,500 or 1,500 to 2,000. Lord, we ask for, for numbers. I, and I am asking for numbers. Lord, I don't want to just witness to one person today. I want to witness to three. I don't want to witness to three. I want to witness to five. I want to pray for five, six people today. No, I want to pray for 10 people today. I was walking into uh, the grocery store at our neighborhood the other day, and and I used to do this on Sundays because I'd pull up in my church parking lot, and I would look at how many cars were in there. I'd go like, ooh, it looks like a good turnout today. Anybody ever do that? Or, or like, oh my gosh, the parking lot's empty. I'm gonna, you know, this is gonna be a rough. This is gonna be a rough Sunday. Uh, so I would measure, like, I, even before I walked in the building, I was like, my faith was either built or it was kind of getting diminished. But this change in my life, like seeing ministry everywhere you go, not just a professional ministry from a pulpit, just everywhere you go, you just live the gospel. I was driving into the grocery store the other day, and I said to myself, it was so fun. I said, oh, looks like a good crowd today. The, the, the parking lot at my grocery store was packed. I'm just going, this is going to be fun, you know? And, and, and you can just, and it's just, my wife and I have, have such joy, just, just like, uh, you know, on airplanes and, and airports. So there's everywhere we go, just seeing that. I was at an airport, uh, just my last trip before this one was down into Houston, Texas. And I, I preached in Houston. And I, I went to the airport, dropped off my rent-a-car, got on the, you know, the bus that takes you if you travel. There's a little uh, bus from the rent-a-car place to the terminal. I'm sitting on the bus on one side, and this woman sitting across from next to me, and she's staring at me like, like kind of like looking like, like she knows me or something like that. You know, I'm thinking, it's kind of glory or <laughs> the, the distinguished old age kind of thing that's settling in, like wrinkles or something. You know, this young woman... Uh, uh, she's looking at me, and then all of a sudden she gets up and sits next to me. I'm going, like, oh, my goodness, this is, like, here's my ring. You know, I'm going, like, uh. Uh. Um, And she says, I, I just loved your talk. I said, oh, you were at the conference? She goes, yeah, it was an amazing conference. She said, um, when you were describing uh, early 5th century German art, I was just mesmerized. I've never heard a talk like that before. I'm like, oh, sorry, I think you got me mistaken, lady, with somebody else. She goes, oh, you're not the, the art scholar from Germany or whatever from, you know. <laughs> I said, no. But I said, she said, well, what conference did you speak at then? And I said, well, I spoke at a conference to encourage uh, first responders for the hurricane down there. So there are policemen and firemen and, and politicians and Christian churches. And she, she goes, oh, that sounds so exciting. That's a great way to help people. And she said, you know, can I just tell you something? While I was at this conference, the same problem keeps com com coming up. She says, I'm, I'm fairly well known. She said, matter of fact, I'm a renowned artist. I've been written up in New York Times and magazines, and people know my art all around the world. But when I go to these conferences or when I'm around other people, I always feel like I'm unworthy, like I'm not good, or everybody's looking at me, or I don't fit in, or I just, I'm, I'm not good enough. I never measure up. And I just said, well, the only way that we can feel good and measure up and our life be changed is when Jesus comes into our heart because he's the one who created us, so he's the one who helps us evaluate our self-worth, who we are. We, we, we are children of God. You're meant to be a daughter of God and you, because you don't know that. She's going to like looking at me like, you're, you're, oh, my goodness. Like, I, I thought she was going to get up and move to the back to the other side of the bus. But we get in this conversation, and she's just saying, that sounds so interesting so we got off the bus, and she says, can we talk a little bit more? And I said, yeah, sure. So we just, we're standing there just off to the side, you know, where the doors open up. And, and, and she says, tell me this thing about, like, I'm a child of God. What does that mean? And I'm going, like, you never heard that before? And she goes, no. I said, well, Jesus was God's son. And, and she goes, wait a minute. I said, say that again. I said, Jesus was God's son. God had a son? She didn't even know this. She's an American, born and raised in New York City. And, and she's asking me this question. God had a son? I said, yeah, God had a son. His name was Jesus. He goes, I've heard of Jesus. I said, I'm good. Okay, we've got a little bit of, <laughs> got a little bit of a little material to work with here. Uh, 
and, and I said that God loved you so much that he actually sent his son to earth to come and teach and to show and, his, to, and actually then take his, your sins on, on him and your, and your fear and your doubt and your discouragement and who you fear, you're, you know, when you're around people. So he took that all on himself. And she's just going like, that's amazing. I've never heard that in my life. And then I said, and then he died for your sins. He went, took the cross and he goes, God's son died for me? And all this stuff was like total shock to her. And as I'm telling this, it's so sweet. A little tear rolls up in her eyes. She goes, Jesus did this for me? And I said, then he rose again. She goes, no. <laughs> I said, yeah. And I'm like, I have never in my life had the joy of telling the story to somebody who would not heard it like 13 million times in Sunday school. And, and just to see the, like, to see her face light up, like, Jesus did this for me, it brought such joy to me because I realized, like, how little I appreciate it sometimes. And she was just appreciating, like, I saw, here's somebody appreciating this for the first time. She said, Jesus died on the cross for me, and then he rose again, and he's alive right now. Like, where is he? See, he's in heaven, but his spirit is here. His spirit is here. Yeah, I said, his spirit can come and live in our hearts, and we can be changed, all fear, all sin, all doubt, all self-worth, all that stuff that you're wrestling with can be gone, and you can be born again right now and know Jesus. She goes, I want that. I want, and I just grabbed her hand, and we just prayed, Jesus, and she repeated a prayer after me. And, and then, then I realized, like, oh, my gosh, I'm late for my flight. And, I just, uh, and she's been emailed. We, we, we stay in touch. She's been changed. She's been transformed. It's just like, wow. And this was, this was like, this was a, a result of a, just a couple nights before that I prayed, Lord, I'm going to all these people, like at the grocery store and at the mall and the shopping centers. I'm going to people in my neighborhood. I'm just going out there. But when I read stories of you, Jesus, people came to you. And a couple of nights before, I'd ask them, Lord, would you start sending people to me? And I, after she left, I went to my gate and I realized, you answered my prayer. You're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to look a little bit like Jesus. Um, and... And I'm starting to see things. The, the, at the restaurant, my wife and I, re regular, attend at, uh, back, uh, attend, sound like a church service. <laughs> we visit this restaurant regularly, and a waiter walked up to us. I guess he was new there, and he says, he goes, oh, he looked at us, he says, are, are you the guys that pray for people? And we said, yeah. He goes, will you pray for me? And I said, yeah. And he, sat, he actually sat down in the bench right next to me and said, man, it's like I got this girl pregnant, and I'm in trouble, and she, she's a wreck, and I'm a wreck, and her father's mad, but he, he, he wants to try to get this thing worked out, and I just don't know what to do. And, and we, again, we got, shared the gospel with him, put my arm around and prayed for him. And he just, again, I don't know what this thing with tears is. He just started crying in the restaurant. Just, it's like, I'm so grateful. It's like that, that God's answered my prayer. People are coming to Kelly and I. They're coming out of the woodwork. So, so I leave this girl at the, at the she's got to go to a different uh, gate, and I'm going to another gate, and I'm thinking, man, I'm late. I'm running to the gate, and I get there, and then my flight's delayed about 10 minutes. So I think, oh, okay, thank you, Lord, for just like a few minutes to kind of rest. And all of a sudden, I'm just, I just sat down, and all of a sudden, this girl on her cell phone goes like, no, 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 please, no, no. And I'm over here sitting there, and she just sits around right next to me going, and there's a, a whole row of chairs there. So no, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, God, you don't have to send them, you know, every second of the day. It could be, it could, it could be some breaks between here. And, and, uh, and so she hangs up the phone. I say, you're not going to believe this, but I know you're in trouble. Something's wrong. And you just happen, with all these empty chairs, or you just happen to sit down next to a pastor. And she says, oh, my God. <laughs> she goes, uh, I was just talking to my father, and my mother had a, um, I can't remember what you call it, like a, an aneurysm, and she's in a coma. And that was my father on the phone. And he was just saying, like, you know, we're going to pray that your mother makes it through. And this girl saying, I don't believe in prayer. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of this stuff. But my mother's like you. She says she's one of those crazy Christians like you. And, and she's always praying for me. And now I feel like maybe I should listen to this. And, and I said, well, let me pray for you. It's like, oh, this is so cool. Just everywhere you go. If, it's not like saying, Jesus, give me more faith to start doing this. 
But if you would, if you believe, if you had a little bit, you would say, I just have a little bit. I told you yesterday, I have like Ezekiel 47. It's ankle deep. I can't wait for it to get knee deep because then really powerful things are going to happen. Really authoritarian things are going to happen. But right now, I'm enjoying even the ankle deep. It's a whole lot more than I had. When you've been, some of you in California know what it's like to live in a drought. And, and, then, and then it rains. Like you get an inch of rain, you just go like, it's flooding in California. This inch of rain is amazing. Yeah, but, but, but listen to this. If somebody from El Salvador comes here and hears you boasting about your inch of rain, they're going to go like, inch of rain is still drought, dude. In, in El Salvador, it rains like 92 inches a month, you know? It's like, nah, not that much. But So you see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? When you're used to floods and you go into drought, it's like, but when you're in drought and you get a little bit, it feels good. That's what I'm like. I've been in drought, but it feels good to have a little bit. But what I have, like this is floods. When I read this, this is floods. And, and I got an inch of rain, and I thank God for it. But, but, I, but, I, but I don't want my experience to be an inch for the rest of my life. I want it to be the same floods that are found in the book of Acts and in the Gospels. And, and so I'm, I'm taking the little bit of faith that I have and just saying, God, I'm going to keep using it. I'm going to keep using it. I, I, so the, all right, let me, let me try to wrap things up here. And so I'm kind of giving you a theme of, of the disciples. So they, they move from Jesus saying, I give you power and authority. And then he lets them experience it. How about you go out and you do this? And they, and they began to go to the villages and preach. And then he tests it through this, like, will you feel like you have enough? Do you have enough to say to mountains, be moved? And, and, and they see that Jesus can do anything as much as they want him to do. And then something happens, and I'll try to do this quickly. The, the, a large crowd gathered around. Uh, and a man walks out and says, my only son, he has an evil spirit and keeps seizing him, and he makes him scream, and he throws him into convulsion, and he foams at the mouth, uh, and he batters him, and it hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they could not do it. So here they are. I'm giving you power and authority to preach the good news and to heal the sick. They go out, and they preach the good news, and they heal the sick everywhere they go. Uh, they're seeing great success. They are participating in multiplying fish and loaves. And then they come up across a difficulty. This one, they, they can't do it. And, and, and this one really frustrates me because I experience, I'm, I'm, I'm living like with a, a, a foot in both worlds. I'm experiencing miracles and signs and wonders. And, and I'm saying the trees be moved and they're starting to move. But I'm also praying for people and they don't get sick. Uh, they don't get healed. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm believing for things. And, and here I am. I'm praying for other people to get healed. And in last month, I uh, go to the doctor, and they say there's a, you have a nodule on your thyroid. And, I go, and she says, it's 95% chance it's nothing. And so, yeah, good, 95%. But she said, let's just check it anyway. So, yeah, fine. And I'm not even worried about it all. Then she calls me on a Thursday night. This is about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. And says, sorry to tell this to you, Mr. Wilkerson, but that's, that nodule is cancerous. You have thyroid cancer. I'm going like, cancer. Oh, man, that's, that's a scary word, right? So I'm just, man, and then I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to ask, so I hang up. And then I do the thing, please let me help you with something. If you ever get a bad diagnosis, don't Google it, okay? <laughs> because it's going to tell you you will die. I have symptoms, stuffy nose, earache. You're dead. It's like, you're going to die. It's like, you have this rare disease. So, so I, I, you know, I went on WebMD, and I found out there's two types of thyroid cancer. One is, is, is uh, very slow-growing, and it's highly treatable, and you know, very good uh, rates of living a long life after surgery for that. So, uh, so, but, but the other type I'm reading on WebMD is like, if you get it, you have six months to live. Literally, it's the worst kind of cancer possible, you know, that and maybe one or two other types. And so the doctor didn't tell me what kind I had. This is on a Thursday night. So on a, so and I have an appointment to see her on, on Tuesday. So, but I'm Thursday night, I'm after Googling this, I call her Thursday night and she doesn't answer the phone. So then I call her office, they don't answer the phone. Then I call a physician's assistant, they don't answer the phone. And then finally, like, I get this message back saying, you just have to wait till you're. Uh, your meeting on Tuesday. I said, can I just find out, like, can you tell me whether it's this kind of cancer or that kind of thyroid cancer? And I was like, I'm getting no word back. So I had like four or five days to, to be thinking, like, I'm either going to be fine or I'm dead. 
and, and, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going, I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm going out and praying for the sick, and I'm believing for great things, and yet here I am now getting, you know, just like, this is the devil, right? This is totally the devil. This is just totally like, he's mad. He, he wants me to say, like, well, you know, physician, heal thyself. You know, you, you're, you're seeing others healed, but you, you're, you're going to get this yourself, and to give up, and to lose faith, and to lose heart. And one of the things I learned in this four days where I didn't know I was going to live six months or not was, I, you know, before that, I, I felt like Paul, like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When I thought I was dying, I was like, I don't want to die. <laughs> Forget what Paul said. I don't care what he said. I don't want to die. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and uh, I realized I have a lot of growth to do, a lot of growth to do. And, uh, you know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about my surgery, but I had surgery uh, a month ago, and they believe they got it all. I have to take one more blood test uh, next week to see if there's any residue of it in me I'm believing. But, but I'm saying to this mountain, be moved, you know. And, and I'm saying to the mountain of family difficulties, and I'm saying to the mountain of financial difficulties, and I'm saying to the mountain of, of emotional difficulties, without a thyroid, uh, your metabolism changes, your hormones change. So sometimes I'm, I'm just sitting there in the living room with my wife, and, you know, we're watching a a commercial about puppies, and I'm going, those puppies are so cute. <laughs> She's like, why are you crying? I don't know. It's a cute, look at the puppy, kiss the other puppy. It's so cute. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm weird even with, even when I had my thyroid, I was weird. <laughs> but, uh, but I got afraid. And, and I realize it's okay. Um, here, I'm going to preach to other people. Don't live in fear. Don't live in doubt. Don't live in unbelief. Trust God. And, and then I'm tested myself. And, and, and what the enemy intended for evil, God intends for good. And, and God's going to, and I'm just believing this mountain's moved. And, and it's just going to give me more faith to say to other people, that mountain's going to be moved. Take up your bed and walk. Rise up. Eyes be open eyes be open. We saw a young man who had tunnel vision, like if you know tunnel vision is, like you could see like a pinpoint, and that little bit of tunnel vision that he had was even blurred. His vision was blurred. He was just, uh, 16 years old, and he came for prayer, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, like I said yesterday, it's like, man, God, why are you giving me these hard ones? Just, I, do, I want the colds and the ingrown toenails. That's the stuff I want. I want that stuff. To, remember, Jesus, I'm only ankle deep, so don't test me with this. And, and so I have to pray for him, you know. And I'm like, this is not going to work, but I'm going to pray. And, and we'd lay hands on him, and, and he prays, and he says, like, I said, do you see any better? See, because that's one of the things when we pray for sick people, you know how safe we are in the churches today? We don't ask them if they're better when we're done praying for them because we figure they're not going to be. So it's like, you know, I don't get embarrassed by saying, are you better, and then they're not. So, so, but I've started to ask people, like, are you better? Like, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm skipping around stories, but uh, we were in... Um, uh, um, Portugal. And, and I use this example. I said, you know, theologically we believe we're healed. By his stripes we are healed. That's, that's our position in Christ. His blood is sufficient that the healing is done. But if, you're, if your hand is crippled and, you know, like, and locked in place like this, it's kind of weird to go around saying, I am healed. Well, you don't look like it. it. To me, I think when you're healed, you go like, boom, and that arm goes like that, and you're healed. Like, if you say, my leg is healed, and you're, you know, I claim it, and Jesus, I, my, I'm not limping. You look like you're limping, you know. And, and so for me, heal, healing is not like I claim it by the blood of Jesus, you know, uh, that he did on the cross. I believe that that's where the healing comes from. But, but uh, the disciples after the cross actually healed people. They didn't say you are, they didn't say you were healed, you know, uh, at, at the cross. You were he, you're healed now because in the name of Jesus, rise up among, and this is, and then they were healed. And so healing is, is both positionally at the cross, yes, we accept the finished work of Jesus, but it's done in real time. And so I was saying, like, if your arm's locked up like this, and, and it doesn't go like this, then, then it needs that finished work to be completed in you. And this lady came up afterwards, she goes, you can't, and she was just walked up to me normal, like two arms, walked so she says, you can't believe this. I said, what? She goes, for like, like six months ago, I was in a car accident, and some muscles got damaged, and some bones got damaged, and my arm was locked like this. And through the whole service, for the last six months, she's been sitting there like this. And I just said, if you're going to get healed, your arm's going to go like this. And she just went, boom, and her arm was set free. She was like instantaneously healed. She came up and told me about that. So, 
so, so, uh, so, like I believe, like yesterday we prayed for how many of you, like if you're in pain right now, you're healed. But we didn't stop. And I went home to the hotel last night. I said, oh, I should have asked people, like, you know, did, did you get healed? Because there's a sense of expectation when you ask the question, are you healed? If you don't ask the question, are you healed? Do you feel any better? Can you move your knee? Then, then there's not that sense of, like, you're not really expecting it to happen. So with this boy, I, you know, it's like I just said, do you see anything better? And he goes, no, it's the same. Like, oh. Well, I said, Jesus prayed for the blind man twice, so, you know, I might have to pray for seven or eight times here or 70 or 80 times. And so I prayed for him a second time, and he opened his eyes. He had closed them while I was praying. He opened his eyes. He goes like, I, th- I, think, I, can, I think I can see a little better. All right, you wanna, do, do, are you kind of a doubter like I am? Like, I'm skeptical of miracles. Like, I think, like, 95% of miracles that they talk about at these miracle crusades are fake and phony, and somebody gets up out of their wheelchair, but, they, you know, I always think they can walk a little bit anyway, so they walk up on the stage like, look, they're out of their wheelchair, but they're going like, like that, you know. So I'm a born skeptic, okay? And so, so I'm just thinking, like, he's trying to be nice to me, you know, like, yeah, I see a little bit better. So I'm like, no, I don't want nice. It's like, tell me the truth. Like, let's pray again. And he goes, yeah, I definitely see better. And then we prayed again. He goes like, and he looked, and his mom was like, like she was here, and I was here, and Kelly was there, and he was here. And he looked, and he goes, I can see my mom's face. And, and, then, and then we prayed again, and I told the mother to back up, and he backed up, and he, I said, uh, what do you see? He goes, he goes, for the first time in my life, I see my mother's face clearly. And, and uh, we, we backed up on the other, she got on the other side of the room, and he was on this side of the room, and I said, we prayed one more time, I said, what do you see? And he goes, I see my mommy's face clearly. And it was just like a, out of a scene from a movie, like slow motion, he's like running across, and she's running this way, and they're all crying, and I'm crying, and my nose is running, and I'm going, Jesus actually heals people, this is such a shock, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like and, they, and they, man, they hug, and they, and, they, and just like, wow. Now, again, so one of the things the Lord told me is, like, if you exaggerate, I'm not going to let you do any more miracles. And so I don't want to exaggerate. He wasn't like, it wasn't like his, like, totally, it was just clearer. But I'll take that, okay? It's like, it's good with me, man. It's like, I didn't think he was going to get any, I thought he'd be like, wait, I had pin, you know, pinpoint seeing, and now I can't see anything. He just ruined my eye, a little bit I had. <laughs> so... So, man, if it's better, like, yeah, yeah. And, and so if, if somebody is going like this, and I pray for them now, they're kind of going like this. I'm like, yeah. It's like, but most of us, most of us in our understanding, we go like, no, they didn't get healed because they're, they're still kind of limping a little bit. I'll take, the, I'll take the little bit of better. I will. I'll take the little bit of better. It's just like, you know, it's just, it's, it's just I'm just ready for this. And so this, I'm going on too long. Uh, so, so. This guy begs the disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. So there's a lot of times, I'm telling you some good stories, but there's a lot of times, you know, the blind eyes don't open and the deaf ear, like I prayed for this lady and she was deaf and in one ear totally deaf. And, and I was like yelling at her, do you hear me now? And it was like nothing, you know, it was like, and she left after like 20 prayers. It was like, you know, and I go home, sometimes I go home depressed, like, God, that didn't work. I'm, just, I'm mad. I'm like, Is it me? Is it you? Is it, I don't know, God, you know, so... But it's okay to wrestle. You know, I'd rather wrestle with this stuff than ignore this stuff. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather wrestle with it than say it was, you know, just it's not for me or it's not my calling. And so the disciples are having to wrestle with this, and it, and it causes them some problems. I like this. Now, look at uh, 9, verse 49. And I know I'm getting to the place where Pastor Jim was talking about if you go on 10 minutes too long, it's, you lose the anointing. I'm getting close to that. So... <laughs> I'm into minute one of my extra 10. Uh, but verse 49 says, uh, John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. I, I put myself in Jesus' position, and I'm saying like, dude, wait a minute. You couldn't cast out demons. These guys are doing it, and you're telling them to stop. They should be telling you to start. They, you should be asking them, how'd you do that? And, and Jesus says, no, don't, don't tell them to stop. Uh, anyone who is not against you is for you. And so Jesus is showing them, it's not just you 12. There's other people that are going to get these gifts. 
There's, this is going to be a bigger movement than just 12 disciples who are going to sit on the 12 thrones of heaven and like ruling and dictating all power and authority comes through you 12, you church dignitaries, you with the title and the office, you with the pastoral role. This is meant for all of our people in our whole church. This is not just meant for you as a pastor and leader to be an example to your flock, but you are an example so that your whole flock starts doing this. And so, and then lastly, um, verse, chapter 10, verse 1, now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and he sent them ahead. Verse 9, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. And they came back and they reported joyfully, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall like heaven, like lightning. I've given you authority over, over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among stakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. And then he talks about rejoicing that your name's written in heaven. So it was their, their identity, who they were, and it was their calling, what they could do. And so <clears throat> Jesus is, I, I like this. The, the 12 couldn't cast it out, the demon out. And instead of Jesus saying like, uh, maybe, maybe this is not going to work with men. You know, it's like, I get this from the Holy Spirit. I have power and authority, and I gave it to them, but they can't do it. Maybe, maybe this thing's not going to work. No, and Jesus, instead of like minimizing the work, you know what he does? He expands it. 12 can't do it. Let's choose 72 then. Let's, let's expand the work. Let's get more people involved in this. Let's get this to be a broader mission than ourselves. Let's go for this. And then, so, so you've got strangers. They're not even in our group healing the sick and casting out demons. And you've got 72 new people. And I think the disciples, as you see from church history and what's written in the Bible, is they caught on. They go like, okay, we better get, a, we better get going with this because we're about to be getting bypassed. And so they got back in the game, so to speak. They got back in faith. They got back into that saying to that mountain, be moved. And the, the rest of the book of, uh, of the Gospels and the book of Acts, we see them casting out demons and healing the sick and preaching the good news to the poor. I have not <clears throat> done anything here at all unless what I have done through the power of the Holy Spirit today is to, to get you uh, to transition, to, to move from... Not doing it to doing it. Does that make sense? Uh, otherwise, this is like, wow, this, okay, more information. Uh, um, so, so real practical. If, if you're like me and you're shy and you're an introvert, one thing you can do, do. How many of you go to restaurants occasionally? Raise your hand if you go to restaurants. Uh, restaurants are an easy places to start because they're paid to be nice to you. <laughs> and, they're looking for, and they're looking for a tip. So it's really an easy place to get started. And... And an easy way to get started is, is not necessarily like, um, did you know that Jesus died for you and the four-point plan of salvation is this, this, and that? But what my wife and I do at almost every restaurant we go to is just simply say, I say, hey, my wife and I, we love to pray for people. It's one of our hobbies. And is there anything we could pray for you about? And maybe, like we did this last night, we were in a little shop and we asked the guys, is there anything we could pray for you about? And he was just like... That's so nice. And he's like, nobody's ever asked me that. And, so like, and he said, I don't know what to pray for. And I said, well, is there anything you want? And he's like, no. Is there anything, is there like, do you have, do you have hope for your future? And he goes like, no. <laughs> Which is literally, that's what he said, no. I said, yeah, exactly. I said, well, there, there, there it is. Boom. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And we just, we, Kelly took one hand. I took another hand. I said, Jesus, give this boy hope. Give him, give him life. Let him show how much love you love him. And, it's just, and he was touched. He was touched. And so, so just start by asking people. And you'll get, a lot of times you'll get like, no, nothing particular. And just say, okay, well, you know, we're going to, we even keep a prayer journal. We just say, we're going to write your name down. Uh, Michael, the guy that came up to us at the restaurant said, are you the people that pray? We have his name in our prayer journal. We pray for him all the time. And, uh, and a lot of times, and so sometimes it's just like, no, I can't think of anything. Uh, but sometimes it's like this girl, we, we asked her a couple months ago, said, uh, is there anything we can pray for? She goes, I have two things. One, I'm in school, and I'm failing, and I want to do good. And secondly, uh, I don't have a place to live. I'm temporarily living with somebody. We went back to the same restaurant about three weeks later. She goes, oh, you're here. She goes, I got an A on that test that you were praying for. It's just, that was amazing. And then she said, and I also found an apartment to live in. And so I had a roommate. And she goes, that was amazing that you guys prayed, and, and like something really happened. And I knew, we talked to her, so we knew she didn't know Jesus. And we said, okay. God answered to your prayers. Let's go for two more. I said, but this time you get one and I get one. And she goes, okay, mine is, she goes, I can't think of anything else. She says, okay, well, I'll tell you mine. Mine is that you come to know Jesus Christ, that you give your life to him, that you get to know him, that you become, like, you know Jesus like this much, and I want you to know him this much. And she goes, that sounds great. 
and I said, okay, well, what's your prayer request? My prayer request is the same one that you just asked for. <laughs> she did. She said that right in the restaurant, standing there. And, uh, and we said, hey, you know, kind of what's holding you back from being saved? She says, nothing. So grab your hand. Jesus, come into my heart. She got saved that day. It was really cool. So it was just, again, it's not like, you know, I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not Reinhard Bonnke. You know, I'm just, a, um, you know, I think God is giving me this message because I'm like, like the poster child of the guy who's not supposed to be doing this stuff. And, and so, or, or doesn't know how or is afraid to. And so I have all the junk that people have, the fear and the trepidation and the wanting to be dignified. And, and so, so, you know, God's setting me forth just, a, I hope, as a call. And so I, I just leave you with that just to say, I mean, please, please pray and just ask God for a baptism of love. And please, please pray, God, would you just, like, help me to be aware that there's people around me because sometimes waiters and waitresses and people at the grocery store, they're, they're just like, they're a part of the institution, you know, and they're not people. And, and it just I think we start seeing those people, we'll just go like, yeah, yeah, and people are, people are going to catch this. People are going to get this vision. So Jesus, um, Holy Spirit, just, um, I'm asking, Lord, for uh, that, that this would not be another talk uh, and that we get notes. I pray that this would not be... Uh, Something we, we think, like, i got to have a sermon for Sunday, so maybe I'll preach this one. Uh, Lord, instead, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would move upon us, and, and we would start saying to, we would say to the, to, the, to the young lady who's a waitress, we would say to our next-door neighbor, we would say to our, the lady who delivers the mail to our neighborhood, we would, we would say to, to everywhere we go, we wouldn't just hold our saying to Sundays at church services, we're so bold on, on Sundays. We, we pray for the sick. We pray for things to, but Lord, give us that same kind of Holy Ghost boldness everywhere we go, every single day, to everyone we meet. Let us see through your eyes, God. Give us the Holy Spirit's power. And I pray that all of us would just take a risk. We, we would just step out in faith um, that the next day or two, I pray that everyone in this room would, would say, God, allow me. To, to, to just ask somebody if I could pray for you or ask them if there's a need or just tell them Jesus loves you or God cares for you or you know he has plans for you. Like, what, just some simple little thing. that And then when we do that, just say, okay, God, that's it. That's what I want. Increase it now. Increase it. Stir it. Let it be a consistent part of my life. Lord, I don't believe everybody in here is going to ask for the gift of evangelism, but I pray that, like Paul said to Timothy, everyone would do the work of an evangelist. And not that weird kind of force, sort of, we went to an evangelism seminar, and now we feel like we're obligated to put notches on our belt of how many people we saved, but just that we go out and love people. We just real simply love people. We love, we, and, we, and we wouldn't target people like, I want to love a drug addict. No, we just love, love everybody, neighbors, uh, just everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, um, would, would you please do this? Would you do this now? Do this now, God. Lord, just so sear this in our hearts and our minds that this would be, Lord, let them forget what I've said. Let them forget that I was in here at this conference, but don't let them forget that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to our hearts. And what would happen? What would happen if we all really believed? What if we really believed this was for us? Man, our whole life would be different, and then everybody around us would be different. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this. Thank you for the spirit, God, that you're raising up in your church today. Thank you for this spirit, Lord. If, if, if even half of us in this room, even 10 of us in this room get this, there's going to be a lot of people saved and a lot of people healed. That would not be if we didn't get it. And for, Father, I so believe with all my heart there's people in this room right now, there's a cry in their soul. Make it me, God. Let me be one of these men or women who, who catch hold of the fire of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of love that, that just, just pours out of me pours out of me in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't already, subscribe today on your mobile device to get exclusive new content from Teen Challenge of Southern California. For more information, visit us on the web at teenchallenge.org.